You're listening to A Stranger Podcast, www.thestranger.com. If you're stuck in a relationship quandary, or if you're looking for sexual harmony, well, there's nothing you can't ask on the Savage Lovecast. We're going to try something a little different this week on the Savage Lovecast. Uh, the last probably half dozen podcasts have all begun with a rant. I started calling it the Savage Rantcast for a while about the election, important to get out and vote, about Obama, about Prop 8, about the anti-gay initiatives that passed. And this week, we're not going to start with a rant. We're just going to get right to your calls after this. This podcast is brought to you by Audible.com, the Internet's leading provider of spoken word entertainment. Get a free audiobook download of your choice when you sign up today. Log on to audiblepodcast.com slash savage right now for details. Hi, um, I am a 20-year-old straight female, and I have a practical question about pubic hair. Basically, I'm not a huge fan. Um, I'm okay with it on guys as long as they keep it reasonably trimmed, but I don't like having it. The trouble is that uh, mine is particularly coarse, and so, you know, I shave and it's smooth for like 30 seconds, and uh, waxing's great, but it has to grow to a certain length before you can do it again. Um, Nair-type products last only marginally longer than shaving, and uh, you get that fun chemical smell to deal with. Um, the guy that I'm sleeping with basically has said he likes it smooth, but he would be fine if I just let it grow out. Um, what he doesn't like is those prickly in-between stages, which unfortunately seem to be fairly common. Um, so I guess what I'm asking is, is there some, you know, magical hair removal technique besides, like, laser hair removal, which I cannot afford? Um, or should I just forget about it and let it grow? You don't like your pubic hair, and you've ruled out shaving, waxing, nair, and laser. That leaves chemo. That's pretty much your only option for pubic hair removal, where you don't have to worry about it growing in, uh, you don't have to worry about it being prickly. You don't have to let it grow back out before it falls. You can get it ripped out again, a la waxing. Chemo is kind of a bitch, though. It also makes the hair fall off your head, off your, you know, your eyebrows fall out, your eyelashes fall out. It's kind of an extreme measure. But if you're going to rule out every other possible approach to deforestation, chemo is about it. Chemo is all you got left. Sorry to say, chemo. I gave the tech savvy at risk youth the I'm done talking to this person sign and they stopped recording and they all, they all agreed they had a little vote of the committee of the whole and thought that was kind of mean. All right, maybe that was mean. Look, you're a mammal. You're a human. You have pubic hair. There's not a lot you can do about it. I mean, there's a lot you can do about it. You can shave, wax, nair, laser, or chemo it all away. Um, all of them have, you know, drawbacks. Shaving, it'll get, be prickly. Waxing, you have to let it grow for a while. Nair, the smell, it burns. Laser's expensive. Chemo is not recommended for people who don't have cancer. You just need to accept that you will be smooth at times and not smooth at others. When you are not smooth... The boyfriend will have to deal and look forward to the moment post-waxing or shaving when you will be smooth again. And you can celebrate that smooth again moment with a real fucking pussy munching box banging evening at home. And then when you're prickly, well, you can blow him or you guys can engage in some mutual masturbation. You can do things where the prickles aren't going to be 
quite as, you know, big a mood killer as they seem to be. But, you know, in the long run, whatever your short-term strategies uh, are, are going to be, in the long run, you just have to accept that you have pubic hair and you always will. And you're going to be fighting a losing battle against it all your life. You will be confronting this issue when your pubic hair is entirely gray. There's nothing you can do about it. I'm a straight male, um, and I've got this little bit of problem which is starting to frustrate the hell out of me. But I've been seeing this girl for about a month and a half now, and we've been sexually active for about three weeks. Um, and everything is really good, you know? Sex is great. Oral sex is, is awesome. It feels amazing. I'm, I'm a lot like, I like this girl a lot. She's got brains, looks, fun to hang out with. We don't disagree on much. But for the past, like, three weeks when we were having sex, like, I just, I can't cross the finish line. And it's driving me mad. Like, I, you know, I'll stay up strong, half hour, 40 minutes. And I'm like, I get to this point where I feel like I should, this is today, not I'm going to, you know, come like any other time I've done before, but. Yeah, I, I lose it somewhere in there, and then I can't get it back, and I just go flaccid. And, like, 20 minutes later, I, I'm, like, good to go again, but I still just can't come. And it's been this way for a while. What I thought it could be is I also, I guess, I'm kinky, and I have my own personal fetishes, which one of them is mainly latex. And I've, I've been with a few girls, and I've never gotten any of them. Or, I, like, a few of my have mentioned it. But I've still been able to get off them. But with this girl, I guess she's also a little bit, she likes it rough and pretty kinky herself, but uh, I don't know any specifics. Like, she seems open to it. But um, I don't know. I feel like, you know, that should help it or make it this easier. But it's, maybe I'm worried that uh, what happens if, like, she does this for me and then I still got this, this problem. Like, what would I do now? Tell me a bit more about your latex fetish. Uh, I don't know. Like, it came about when I was really young. Uh, I think it was, I, I recall a time when I was a little, I had a raincoat, and I was really, like, the material really, I was attracted to it. And, uh, I think I was, like, 13 at the time. So ever since then, it's kind of been a part of me, and I've masturbated to a lot of it on the internet, and what, like, movies that come out, or... So you, like, like, I... clothing on women or on yourself? No, on women. On women? Yeah. I like to see it on other girls, yeah. Okay, but you don't like to wear it yourself. Uh, I wouldn't mind. Like, uh, <laughs> I like the way it feels, but I just it's never never happened. So I don't, I don't think it's that I don't like. It's just you know, situations never arise. And, and but you've never brought this up with any of the the women you were with. It doesn't seem like a too terribly outrageous fetish. Not like peeing in the mouth. No, it's not so much that. It's just I, I feel like. Uh, I guess I've been waiting for a girl to maybe bring it up to me or something. I don't know. I don't, feel like... don't do that. That's so stupid. Like, yeah, but I, I waiting like... to win the lottery because somebody bought you a lottery ticket. That doesn't. The lottery doesn't work that way. Yeah. You, you gotta. You know, there's a lot of people out there who have certain fetishes who are sort of sitting there with their arms, you know, their hands in their lap, waiting for the people they're dating to bring up their the thing that they're interested in. That's, that's not how it works. You have to be proactive. You have to go for what you want. Yeah, no, I've been I've been getting better about it. Like the girl I'm with right now, you know, we, I guess we're having tr- um, we are having trouble about to her. Um, and she she didn't seem very opposed to it. She was actually kind of intrigued by the idea. She had, wasn't very aware of it. Mm-hmm. So How did you present it to her? Is this thing you could take or leave, or this thing that you absolutely really loved and required? Um, I presented it to her that like I really like it and it's a big part of me. Uh, 
But I, I see. I'm like, I'm, I'm worried that, like, what if it happened? What if she, she does this for me? And we, I saw the same problem. Well, you, know? you very well might have the same problem. Like, we're going to talk about this in, 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 as two separate issues. There's your latex fetish, which you need to go for, and you need to be assertive about when you're dating anybody and say, you know what, this is a part of my sexuality. It's a really important part of my sexuality. This is on the menu. If you're signing up for me, you're signing up for this. Just so you know. Like, I'm going to want to see you in this kind of clothes. I'll wear it for you, too, because I think it's sexy. Maybe you'll think it's sexy. But being with me means you're going to be wearing some latex outfits. Deal? Deal. And if she stays with you, then great. Then no problem. Then you got what you want on the latex front. Now, about this orgasm problem. So you're hard. You're hard for a half an hour. You're fucking, you're fucking, you're fucking, but you can't quite come. Yeah, I just can't quite get there. You know, and then you get frustrated. And you lose your erection? I did for a while, yeah. I got frustrated, and then I started just letting it go and not, not thinking too hard about it because I feel like, you know, it happens to people, and I shouldn't let this bother me. Right, and you shouldn't. Um, you shouldn't. The, are you wearing a condom? No, we haven't. It was even worse before when I was wearing a condom because I guess I wasn't getting much feeling out of it, so I lose it pretty quick. But then we stopped doing the condom thing, and she's on birth control. And so can you, it, come, can you come for moral sex? I have before. I don't know. It's like nothing she does, like, finishes off. And can you, can you yeah. come when you masturbate yourself? Yeah. There are some guys out there, just like some women require really intense, the really intense kind of stimulation that only a vibrator can provide, uh, or only, you know, their own hands on themselves while they're being fucked uh, can provide. Some women require, you know, that extra oomph at the end to get off. You might be the guy equivalent of that, where some guys, they can fuck, somebody like crazy they dig it it feels good their dick is hard but they've got to pull out and deliver the last few strokes with their own right hand hmm. and that's not necessarily a problem if you don't regard it as a problem if you don't i don't it. regard it as a problem but she like she's personally feeling like it's her fault like, she's not satisfying i'm not, really trying hard to convince her like because it is i'm very satisfied i'm just not well you just need to repeat quite. that you need to repeat that and repeat that and repeat that until it sinks in yeah. And you can tell her that I told you that some guys look at a lot of porn, a lot of porn out there that shows exactly what I'm talking about. It's not always because everybody wants to see the cum shot, although it's that too. Uh, some guys just need their own right hand for the last little bit. And if you fuck the shit out of her with your dick and you're super turned on, she got you off. Even if the last few strokes uh, were your mouth. Yeah. And you may, you need to, I would urge you to experiment with fucking her like crazy, giving her all the pleasure you can with your hard dick, taking all the pleasure you can with your hard dick, pulling out, stroking, and then going back in right when you reach that point of no return, mm-hmm. where you, when you're masturbating, you're stroking, you reach that point where your dick starts to throb and you're going to come no matter what you do. If you take your hand off your dick, you're going to come. If you keep stroking, you're going to come. You're out of, it's no longer in your control, right? Yeah. Take, pull out of her, take yourself to that point, and put yourself back in, and come in her, and start to ex- see what it feels like. Experiment with, you know, associating being back inside her with that orgasm, and then you should be able to push back, you know, if you go with it for a while, where you stroke a little less each time. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You bring yourself not quite as close to the edge as you did the previous time before you go back into her and get those final strokes inside her. You can train your dick. Yeah, see, that's what I've been told is that I kind of have to train myself out of this or, like, my, my, my right, situation. But, but the quickest way to do it is to stop pretending that if, you know, stop acting like you stroking yourself is a failure. You need to incorporate some self-stroking, some, some 
masturbation into your intercourse with her. And that may help you bridge the gap. That may help you find uh, the way toward coming without touching yourself. But it can't. You won't get there if you're feeling self-conscious about it, or she's regarding it as she's failing somehow, and it's all stigmatized and fraught and unpleasant. It's got to be part a joyful part of the sex that you guys share is you stroking yourself a bit now and then, and, and her stroking you a bit now and then, if that's what your dick requires to get there. Because if she required it, if she required a vibrator on her clit at the very end to get off, you'd give that to her, wouldn't you? Yeah, I would actually. I know that she's told me that like she doesn't really get off from vaginal intercourse. It's either from anal or from me eating her out. Well, so there you go. There you go. Yeah. Um, You're doing what it takes for her. Yeah, and I'm just trying to figure it out what it takes for you. Okay. And, it, it, and the reason why uh, I didn't bring up the latex fetish was because I feel like. Personally, I feel like it shouldn't be necessary. Like, I should be able to do this all natural. Oh, it's totally, totally separate issues. Yeah. You have your latex fetish. You should incorporate latex into your sex life. You have this orgasm uh, issue, and you can work on it and incorporate what works for you into the sex you share with her so that you're both getting off. It sounds like you're already doing that for her. Why not for you? It's not like you have to earn your fetish being indulged by being performing 100% all cylinders uh, for vanilla sex. It's not the way it works. It's not the way it should work. You don't, you don't get your fetish because you were a good boy. You get your fetish because it's part of your sexual interest, part of your sexual expression, and you have a right to it, regardless. Okay. Anything else that's going on. Uh, that makes you feel better about my, my kink. <laughs> you should feel good about your kink. What a great kink. You don't want to shit on her. Could be worse. I don't want to do anything gross. I don't want to do anything gross. There's a certain certain kind of clothing that, like, turns your crank. If you were into panties and bras and that frilly crap they sell at Victoria's Secret, no one would bat an eye. No one would even think it was a cake. You're just into a certain kind of clothing on women that turns you on. Just go for it. Go buy her something and buy yourself something. And both of y'all wear latex to bed and have a blast. Good luck. Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com, the leading provider in spoken word entertainment. Audible has over 35,000 titles to choose from to be downloaded and played back anywhere, just like the Savage Lovecast. Log on to audiblepodcast.com slash savage to get a free audiobook download of your choice when you sign up today. No books at audible.com on latex, unfortunately, but they do have Hala and Latka's stories for Shabbat and Hanukkah, and Hanukkah is coming right up. Again, go to audiblepodcast.com slash savage for your free audiobook download today. Hi, Dan. Um, I am a 21-year-old female from the Seattle area, and I had a question for you. So last night, my boyfriend and I were having sex like usual, and it was great, and it was getting pretty experimental just in terms of position and everything, and there was a kind of a break, you know, where you've lulled a little in between uh, switching positions and he just sort of out just came and asked if he could pee in my mouth and I immediately responded no kind of in a in a gut instinct and also in a that must be a joke so no haha funny but we didn't talk about it at all afterwards and didn't actually seem like a joke at the second after I said like no and just kind of switched positions and was like okay maybe it's time to go to bed and like we didn't talk about it at all. He's never brought it up before. Um, we've been dating for about four months now, and uh, we've always been pretty, like, really GGG, very 
open trying a lot of things, but we usually kind of talk about them first. And I don't really know how to approach this, whether I should wait and let him bring it up again, um, whether I should bring it up or what. And also that just does not appeal to me at all. And it's kind of hard now to sort of not have that in the back of my mind when we're talking and everything to go, God, do you really want to do that? I mean, I don't want to judge him or anything like that. And, I, and also, I mean, obviously I want to, you know, if this is something he wants to share with me, he's never done it before, whatever, that's great. And I, and I want to like, you know, help him figure out what really turns crank, but I don't know how to like work up to that. I mean, a lot of other kinks you can sort of baby step it, but I feel like peeing in the mouth, there's really no baby steps. Hi. Hi. Uh, I'd like to pee in your mouth. <laughs> there, now, you, now you can say it wasn't you've been asked by more than just your boyfriend. This is a request you get frequently. So I think it's I think you have some effect on guys that just makes them want to clean your mouth. I think that must be it. You can take responsibility for it. It's my fault, clearly. Stop blaming the boyfriend. Okay. I think the, the most hilarious thing that's ever been said on the podcast is, is that there are no baby steps to peeing on the in the mouth. <laughs> It's true, though. I can't lie. Well, there are, though. There are baby steps uh, to peeing mm -hmm. in the mouth, which is peeing on the person uh, and I... incorporating a little bit of, uh, you know, piss play or water sports, whatever you want to call it. All right. Uh, before you get, you know, you, before you work your way up to uh, pee in the mouth. Um, right. You're R. Kelly, are you? Who the fuck are you dating? Oh, I want a name and a phone number. Uh, so I can call him and ask him about it. <laughs> Video, yeah. No. No, I, I think it, like, the more I think about it, the more it was so heat of the moment, like, so random and mildly drunk, like, probably not serious and hasn't been mentioned since, so I, I'm I sort guarantee of I A lot of people want to say when, oh, it was heat of the moment, we were both drunk, and he said it or she said it, that then, therefore, it wasn't serious. You know what? The most serious oh, stuff gets said when people are drunk, and it's the heat oh, of the moment. Truth serum, truth serum, yeah. Yeah, the truth <laughs> serum thing. Listen... It, Here's what you need to do. You need to have a, this conversation with him, and I'm happy to call him myself if you want to give him a I'll talk to him about it. You have this conversation with him and say, you know what? I'm not, you know, obviously I'm not breaking up with you about it. Obviously it didn't freak me out so much that I couldn't keep having sex with you, but you got to talk to me about this. Like, where'd that come from, and what are you into? And, uh, and then, you know, a lot of people uh, are into piss, particularly guys. I guess so. Because, you know, there's a thing, there's a difference between the way men experience uh, urination and women experience urination. Uh, you guys, it's a different, you know, you guys sit down, it's a different hole, it's not... <laughs> yeah, probably. It's not your anus and it's not your vagina. Yeah. And you don't see it, it's just like you sit down and then you get up and the water's yellow. Guys, you know, it's of the dick. It comes out right. of the dick. It's the other thing besides semen and cum that comes out of your dick. And it's easy for guys to make the leap and eroticize that. Mm -hmm. Guys stand up to pee and you put your dick in your hand and you pee just like you put your dick in your hand when you're going to beat off, right? Mm -hmm. so, so for guys, there can be this you know, easy path toward you know, developing a bit of a piss fetish uh, and, and wanting to play with it. Now, the, the, the place to begin, if you're willing to go there, is to say, you know what, my mouth is not uh, not on the table for, That's point a. <laughs> for the foreseeable future. But if you want to do this in the shower sometime, mutually, mm -hmm. like, we can do it. And, and I'm not going to tell you how I know these things, but I'm just going to throw them out there for you. Not first thing in the morning. <laughs> I think that's a good plan. It would be, be a harsh way to wake up. Yeah. Not first thing in the morning. Not after asparagus and Brussels sprouts. Right. Not if you've had nothing but red meat to eat for a month. Um, the time to do it is, you know, late at night when you've had a few beers. Because 
it's only at that point it's going to be hot water and that's it. It's not going to be yellow. It's not going to smell. Right. And if you do it in the tub, it's gone. Right. Well, the big debate, of course, is um, if. Pardon. Um. So, is it the big is the big if if that's going to happen at all and. After that big question gets answered, it's wet. So. <laughs> yeah, but but on the scale of like kinks, I think getting peed on or peeing on somebody seems really like huge and terrifying, mm-hmm. uh, and, and somehow momentous and, until you do it, and then you're like, oh my god, this is just goofy and silly, and it's not <laughs> it's that really silly more than anything else, and it's not that big a deal. It can be, you can have like deep sort of uh, erotic symbolism around degradation mm-hmm. and stuff that actually has a place in sex. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, power play and back and forth. It can also just be about scent and fluids and, you know, being totally fluid bonded in every respect. Um, right. And the last thing I want to say in defense of the, the pee drinkers and the pee honors out there is some people then assume that somebody who's into piss is necessarily going to be into shit as if they go hand in hand, and they do not. Right. The shit people are sense. very rarely into piss, and the piss people are very rarely into shit. That's, that's really logical, too. So, take comfort. Oh, thank you. <laughs> off. If he said that, somebody who makes a confession like that during sex can often then sort of freeze up and feel, and he's sitting there feeling like, well, you know, if she, the ball's in her court, I said it, if she's even remotely interested, or, or if she was angry, or if she was anything, she would bring it up, because I brought it up, and I'm just never going to bring it up ever again. He's right. That you and I are actually having this conversation. <laughs> Final bit of advice, uh, he doesn't get to pee on you unless you get to pee on him. Thank you, bye. Hi, Dan. The sex is phenomenal. I'm married, um, about two years, second marriage. And the problem is everything else. I've tolerated a lot from my husband, two ex-wives. Uh, that were far, far, far too involved in our relationship um, that are now out of the picture. Um, a lot of inappreciation, a lot of cruel things said to me, um, and now he's finally realized he's codependent and he's getting help for that. But after dealing with two years of um, just a lot of being very cruel um, and dealing with a lot of extra players and baggage, I'm, like, emotionally done, and if this weren't my second marriage, I would probably fall. but I'm having a really hard time forgiving. I just want to know, I don't know, a little advice on, can I just take an emotional break and just stay away from him for six months to a year and really just get my life back on track and get settled and have peace, try this again, or do I have to do this day-to-day? Fortunately, we have an extra residence that was purchased, and I can live there, so I don't have to deal with them on a daily basis. But I just want some relationship advice. I really guess deep down I don't want to get out of it, but I don't want to deal with them anymore. And I feel like, uh, I don't know, throwing a little tantrum, and I don't feel like working on it right now. I want to work on everything else in my life, my children, my career, uh, my spirituality, but I don't want to work on the two of us, because I have too much anger and resentment, and I just can't get over it right now. You say you can't get over it right now. You need to ask yourself if you believe that you'll be able to get over it ever. If the answer is no, rip the Band-Aid off and end it. You don't sound very happy. People have been together for two years, married for two years. 
and one of them is contemplating six months to a year off and away, that's just a baby step toward divorce. I realize you say you've been married before uh, once and you wanted this one to work out. You can't stay in a failed marriage because you had a previous marriage fail on you. It doesn't make any sense. It's not rational. It's not fair to your kids. It's not fair to you. It's not fair to him. If whatever he's done did so much damage to this relationship that you can't see any way to forgiveness and to reconnecting with whatever it was about him that made you want to marry him in the first place, if it was that poisonous, end it. Go. It's what you want to do. It's what surely what it sounds like you intend to do. A year away is just a halfway house between being married to him and not being married to him. I guarantee you after a year of not living with him, you're not going to want to move back in with him. I think you know that. Uh, I think that's why you called. I think when you listen to your call and you listen to yourself and then you listen to me, you're going to realize that however embarrassing it is uh, to have been divorced twice or to have initiated two divorces, uh, depending on your circumstances, you can't stay in this marriage for decades and decades just to avoid the humiliation of a second divorce. I'm just calling because I have a question about my relationship. I have been with my boyfriend for about two and a half years, and um, the sex life has seemed to be deflated, which I understand to be natural for any relationship. But my question about it is that when he and I met, we were 24 and 27 years old. And it's deflated to the point where I think we're going on three-month mark without having any kind of sex. And we went through some kind of traumatizing things, like an abortion. Um, There were trust issues also. And we have issues communicating um, about certain things. Basically, what I'm wondering is, like, when we should both be, like, really sexually active with each other in a monogamous relationship while we live with each other. Um, How natural is it to just be like living in an apartment together as friends? Um, Because that's basically what it's boiled down to. On a lot of nights, I actually end up sleeping on the couch. It's over. Uh, I hate to sound like a broken record. Uh, It's over. You've only been together a couple of years. You're in your 20s. You haven't had sex for three months. You live together as friends. You're sleeping on the couch. It's over. All you have to do is open your mouth and tell the truth to your boyfriend. Just look at him. Look him in the eye and say, it's over, right? Can we acknowledge the reality of the situation? That we're not in a romantic relationship anymore? Perhaps it was the abortion. Uh... Perhaps that was a traumatizing experience for everyone. Perhaps at that moment you both stared into the abyss and realized that you didn't want to be involved with each other forever and ever and ever, which is really kind of what a child means. Even if you don't stay together, having a child together means you're going to be in each other's lives forever. There are times when 
people have a pregnancy scare or they have a pregnancy that they terminate and it pulls them up short and they look at the person uh, that they're living with or romantically involved with and go, oh, right. Now that I think about this on a deeper level, he's not for me. Or maybe he thought the same thing about you. Now that I think about this deeper level, she's not who I wanted either. And we dodged a bullet at that moment. And now it's just the long, slow pulling apart uh, that you guys are engaged in. And a long, slow pulling apart can be good sometimes because a long, slow coming apart uh, in some ways avoids a lot of drama and broken leases and screaming and yelling. And it allows perhaps a friendship uh, or if not a friendship, a fond remembrance uh, to exist after the relationship is over. Uh, So I'm not advocating necessarily for ripping the bandaid off in all situations, but the time has come, uh, if not for – tearing yourselves out of each other's lives, at least acknowledging the reality uh, of the situation that this relationship is, for all intents and purposes, over. And it's time for the both of you to start transitioning uh, out of each other's lives uh, into new apartments and onto new people. Hey, Dan. Uh, I'm a 19-year-old female. Uh, I got a question about etiquette. I was giving somebody a, a blowjob. Uh, and... Um, Long story short, I, I kind of threw up. And I know, considering the gag reflex is fairly common, um, I'm just kind of wondering uh, what to do uh, after. Like, uh, should I just play it cool and just wipe his dick off with, like, a paper towel or whatever fabric's going around? Or should I just apologize profusely? Or should I just um, hop in the shower or something like that? Um, any guidance would just kind of help out because uh, I'm just really stupid with regards to sucking cock, man. All right. I guess I'm Miss Manners now. The etiquette of post-blowjob barfing uh, for the barfer, not for the barfee. Uh, it happens. It shouldn't happen. And it won't happen once you learn to read your own reflexes. Uh, You will learn as you give more head. Um, You are a young man, uh, a young gay man. You will be giving head for years, uh, hopefully. You will learn to recognize uh, the signs. Uh, You will learn to read your own reactions uh, more accurately. This is an avoidable problem as you experiment. with your sexuality and with giving blowjobs. Now you know where the point of no return is. Now you know uh, what it takes to make you uh, throw up in some poor dude's lap. Don't do whatever that was again. Don't go that far again. Uh, Don't put a dick that far down your throat and leave it there that long again uh, until you have acquired more basic blowjob proficiency. But that's not what you asked about. You asked what you do After you throw up in someone's lap, you apologize, you grab whatever's handy, uh, whatever's going around, I think is the phrase, you know, paper towels are going around, if a dirty t-shirt is going around, um, if there's uh, a towel nearby that's going around, grab whatever it is, clean the guy off, jump in the tub, uh, jump in the shower, apologize profusely, that's the role of the barf-er in that situation, male or female. The role of the bar fee, typically male. Some people have big clitorises. No one has a clitoris that big, typically. The role of the bar fee is to be gracious, to say it is not a big deal, to acknowledge that barf 
being thrown up on is a known risk of accepting a deep throat blowjob. That it is a known risk. That it might happen. And it won't be pleasant for the barfer or the barfee or anybody. But it is not some horrible crime that has been committed. You've not been brutally violated. You've been thrown up on. It happens. And you say to the barfer who's apologizing profusely, the barfee says, not a big deal. Don't be embarrassed. Let's jump in the shower. We can do something else later. Don't worry about it. That's what the barfee says. Now, if you're with somebody and you barf on them, uh, which you shouldn't do, and once you learn how to give blowjobs uh, with some degree of skill, you won't do anymore, and they react like an asshole. That means you were giving a blowjob to the wrong person. If the barfee freaks out, jumps up, screams ew, makes you feel worse than you feel already, has no empathy for what you've just gone through, for their pleasure, what you've just suffered for their pleasure, you were giving a blowjob to the wrong person. You shouldn't give that person a blowjob ever again. And you should be more selective about the people you give blowjobs to in future. Hi, Dan. Just finished listening to podcast 108, uh, where you talked to the guy who's 98% hetero, uh, happily married, but would really like to try touching dick. And you guys seem to think that it wasn't a good idea to tell his wife about this. Um, but she sounded pretty, she sounded pretty open-minded to me. I mean, she was, she talked to her husband about using a strap on on him. She's confessed to him that she's interested, you know, and uh, at least, somewhat interested and turned on by the idea of being with another woman. So, um, you know, she may be shocked and appalled if he tells her that he wants to touch a dick or she might be delighted with it, you know, not only for him because uh, she'd be excited for him to get to fulfill a fantasy, but maybe it would open things up for her too to, you know, she, if he were willing to do a little tit for tat and allow her to sort of, you know, fulfill some of her fantasies. You know, maybe they could hire a guy and she could use a strap-on on him and her husband could reach in and touch his dick or they could find a couple that they could all romp around with. You know, I mean, he it's a risk to tell his wife, but it might open up, you know, a whole new world of possibilities for him. Thanks for sharing. Uh, not necessarily bad advice, but you can't really draw an equivalency between a wife or a woman or a girlfriend confessing that she's a little bi-curious and wants to mess around with a girl or a woman uh, once or twice and a husband or a boyfriend saying he wants to touch cock or suck cock or, or stroke cock uh, in that man's case because everybody believes that women can be a little bi-curious uh, and still be straight or straight identified and aren't going to run off and uh, join the lesbian circus. But guys don't get that same uh, deal. Uh, when a guy tells his girlfriend that he's sucked dick once in his life, once at college, he met the one guy that did it for him, she is going to have this niggling uh, suspicion. Many women will have this niggling suspicion for the rest of their lives that their husband's secretly a fag because no guy who wasn't totally gay could do that ever. So he's running a bigger risk confessing to the wife that he's a little cock curious than she was running confessing to him that she's a little bi curious. He has to assess the situation and assess where his wife's going to come down on that bi-curious double standard because it exists. And I don't want to be too uh, unrealistic or cavalier in encouraging that guy to lay it all out there for his wife lest I destroy their marriage in the process. But uh, hopefully he's listening and he heard your advice too and he can take your advice into advisement. Hi. Um, 
calling in response to a caller last week who um, mentioned that she was a virgin and her boyfriend had fingered her or a friend and it was uncomfortable. And Dan, I thought your advice was great, but I just wanted to um, share as a woman that I'm 26 and not a virgin and I still don't find having fingers in my vagina comfortable or pleasurable. So um, I don't think just because that didn't feel good that that's an even to worry about when it comes to actually having sex because penises Thanks for sharing. I agree. Fingers aren't penises, and thank God for that. And many people uh, who are into penetration with penises aren't necessarily into penetration with fingers. Fingers are bonier. They move around. They do weird things. They have fingernails on them. Uh, So, yeah, good point. And we're going to leave it there. 206-201-2720 is the number here at the podcast. If you'd like to record a question for a future show, please do leave a callback number in case we want to get in touch. Try to keep it under a uh, minute or three. Uh, so there's time for me to blather on and on and on and on and on on this show, which is really what it's all about. Be blathering on and on. 206-201-2720. Uh, we're going to give one more shout out to jointheimpact.com. If you're out there and you're angry about Prop 8, you want to find out what's going on and get involved, uh, go to jointheimpact.com. And me and the tech savvy at Risk Youth will be back at you next week with another installment of the Savage Podcast.